Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Today on the show... If you commit to the process, if you seek wisdom, you invest in yourself and you trust yourself, whatever you're going through will pass and it will be a greater opportunity waiting for you on the other side. And maybe you've been given this mountain to overcome just to prove to others that it can be done. Hey guys, how's it going? So, um, you know, been doing lots of video shoots and lots of uh, podcasts and lots of interviews lately. And, and what I'm going to share with you, and I think I'm going to put this interview in the standing on the shoulders of giants section. And here's a, a fun turn of this is I actually get to be interviewed in this. So um, a good friend of the uh, Raising Capital Academy, Mike Pontes, who many of you have probably watched his video. He hosts a uh, Facebook group called Savvy Real Estate Investors, a wonderful group of people moving forward. And uh, he was putting together a series of um, a real estate investor series. And he was wanting to talk to people that have been through challenging times, you know, similar to like what we're going through now. Now, I say similar because nothing is the speed that this is happening. Nothing is similar to this. This is truly uncharted waters. But people that have been through things similar to this can actually share some really cool insights. So this is a, an opportunity where the the standing on the shoulders of giants got turned and it got turned on me where I was actually being interviewed. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this. And this was right during, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic that was going on and just kind of slowing the slowing the breath down, calming the waters, just being a good captain of there. But there are some incredible deep insights into this, whether the waters are stormy or whether the waters are calm, just in the development of who you are as a real estate leader. So hope you enjoy uh, this interview as much as I did. And, you know, last thing I would just want to do is a big shout out to Mike and his team and his family. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I had such a blast. I'm just honored to serve. Thank you very much. You did an amazing job asking some wonderful questions. You just led the conversation brilliantly. And Mike, I love you. Uh, stay well, everybody, and hope you enjoy this interview. So for, for our guest speaker, and, and for you, some of you guys, you may or may not know of Russell Westcott, but you guys are all very fortunate because you are actually meeting a real-life Jedi. I don't know if anybody knows that, but a real-life Jedi. Has anybody ever met a Jedi before? I don't know if anybody has, but now you have, okay? Um, so with Russell, you know, he, he's referenced as the Joint Venture Jedi, um, and he has just got a wealth of knowledge. And I know he's going to provide a lot of great insight for our group. And he'll be sharing a little bit about this whole joint venture Jedi side to him. But he really, really is. He's got a ton of experience. So for those of us that are uh, looking for joint venture partners or for those that are in the joint venture game, um, we're going to be touching on some of that stuff today. Um, and obviously, Russell's not going to share all of his secrets, but we're <laughs> happy to share some information and, and, and take it away. But um Russell and I go back a long, long ways. And I know Russell and I, we've done interviews in the past, and I know I've shared the same story, but it's uh, Russell and I actually known each other before we actually got into real estate, believe it or not. And we both worked uh, for a company called uh, Dairylander Saputo, and I was in sales and, and Russell was in the trade marketing side. And, you know, it, it's funny because, I, you know, as I was interviewing, I was kind of thinking about some of this stuff today. 
Uh, I just remember us kind of going into your office, closing the blinds, closing the door, and we're kind of talking shop a little bit and just talking about success stories. And here's Russell killing it with two, three, four properties at the time. And and it was really cool to to see to see how we've kind of grown and and really taken off in this journey called real estate investing. And in such, you know, it seems like a, a forever, but it was actually not. It's, it hasn't been overly that long, but it's it's amazing to see what's happened. So I've, I've known Russell for a long, long, long time, and I've just seen his journey. And in some cases, we kind of mirror it as well. So we've been through the goods, lots of bads, goods and bads, and 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 so. When I knew we were gonna, when I was when I was thinking about putting this together, uh, Russell's Russell was the first person in my mind because a lot of this negativity that is there, that's out there right now, um, we've been through a lot of this stuff before, and I know that we've learned a lot of things to kind of help share uh, to our group today. Um, so anyway, he, he, he's got a wealth of knowledge. He's been through the ringer just like myself. And we've been through a lot of great stuff, good and bad. Um, but I think the more important, important comment is we've, we've been through a lot of experience and we've learned a ton. I mean, a ton. <laughs> and that's what we're here to kind of share today. So maybe to before, you know, so Russell, first of all, thank you. Welcome. Yeah. I appreciate you coming out to join us. It's, uh, and taking some time away from your family, um, even though, you know, we're probably spending a lot of time with the family, this might be a good thing for a change. But <laughs> well, they're just, they're just over there outside the office of my, in, within my house. So it's oh, like, there you go. I'll talk a little I can already, I can already hear the eye rolls happening with my bad jokes <laughs> just, just from another room. So, um, so how are you guys riding out this crisis right now? Oh, what good, are you guys doing good. With family? Yeah. So, so that was actually the first, Mike, you beat me to the punch. I was going to ask how you, Don and the kids are doing. Are you guys doing all right? We're doing well, actually. Yeah. yeah, we're all hanging in there. Like I said, a lot of a little bit of Netflix, getting my son to start reading a little bit more frequently than he normally likes. And uh, but at the end of the day, we're all doing pretty well. Like I said, you know, it's uh, it's a good time to you know you know learn and try new things and maybe take up some new hobbies that you haven't really thought of. But you know, for me, it's it's um. I really like taking this time, which we're getting a lot of, even though we're busy with our day-to-day business. It's it's interesting to have some freedom, a little bit of time to start thinking a little bit more. And for yeah. me, I'm thinking more strategic and from a business perspective, but at the same time, I'm thinking a lot about myself too in regards to how I want to develop myself better and further. So how about yourself? Yeah, you know what? We're, we're doing very well. Um, I've been actually busier than ever. Uh, you know, today my day, my morning started at six this morning. I was on conference calls for people from out eastern Canada. I have my final coaching call tonight that'll end at about nine thirty. So it's uh, there, it's been busy, and and I think that there's um, there's an incredible need for people to to just calm and people that have been through this right and just you know just calm the waters a little bit right now. Like a lot of people. Um, and and here's what I'm going to offer to you first, Mike, because I just want to offer you a big congratulations for putting this together and, and bringing a cast of characters into this series of people who have been there, been there, done that, because there's an awful lot of real estate investors that have been in the market for, you know, the last four or five years. And they've only thing they've seen is markets that have go up, have been going up like that. How about that? There's my my Yoda pen. Right. So anyway, <laughs> so, who've been who've been only been seeing markets that have been going up like that. And, and yeah. uh, you know, there's just been some of us people will have some, you know, a few gray hairs and a few wrinkles around the eyes that, that have just been through through the through the wars and through the battles that, you know, maybe just we just need some good, strong leadership right now. And I just want to commend you for you. stepping up and being a really good steward and a really good leader in this storm as well. So. 
Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So t- tell us a little bit about yourself, Russell. Like I know I've kind of did a little bit of an introduction, but you know, it's, um, you know, and for some of some of people that are on here, they are brand spanking new to real estate investing and haven't been around for a while. And there's others that have been doing this a long time. Um, they may have heard of Russell Westcott. They may have heard of, you know, be a Don Campbell of the world. And I did forget to highlight that. And, and I think I made a reference. This is, you know, Russell's actually a very avid speaker and he he goes to a lot of different uh uh, different events and things like that. And, he, and he's been on stages with some amazing people, Grant Cardone, not that long ago. Um, you know, so, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. And, and, and you know, I, I shared it a little bit, but, you know, the reason why you kind of got started investing in real estate to begin with, and, and tell us a little bit about your, your journey at the beginning. Well, you know, maybe um, <laughs> I guess I'm going to start dating myself here fairly quickly, but, but you know what, uh, what the heck, right? We all aged in time. Um, my journey, <laughs> and I'm going to just start back in that context. So uh, we'll go way back. I'm, I'm born and raised Saskatchewan. And that actually says a lot with, once you eventually get to know me, that will actually, that will explain a lot. I am, I am Saskatchewan. We are some of probably Saskatchewan people are probably some of the nicest, most generous people, the people with the most generous hearts that you will ever meet. I'm a little bit biased, but that's typically of my experience of people from Saskatchewan. Um, and I often use the joke, <laughs> if you were out jogging in Saskatchewan um, and you're dri- jogging along the side of the road, every car that will come by will stop and ask you if you want to ride. If you're out somewhere in some other cities, they'll try and run you over. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's where I'm born and raised. That's where my roots are from. My real estate start got, you know, back, I I often make the joke, it started around the turn of the century. It was right around the year 2000 when I, um, I, I turned, I was just turning 30 in the year 2000. And um, I had a self-diagnosed Peter Pan syndrome. And Peter Pan syndrome is somebody who just never wants to grow up. And what I finally decided, I was just turning 30, one of those birthdays with a zero at the end. And I just decided that I needed to start making some changes. And because where I was going was not the right direction. Although I had a good job and I was with Dairyland and, you know, having, the, you know, the climbing the corporate ladder and making good money. Sometimes when the ladder is up against the wrong wall that you're not, yeah. you're not getting anywhere, right? So, so shortly after that, I had a realization through, and I'll keep this story painfully short, um, a realization after a referral to the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, once I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it changed my paradigm of thinking most, about pretty much everything. And then from Rich Dad, Poor Dad led me into real estate riches and learning that. And I had never bought a property in my life, Mike. I was renting a basement suite with a roommate around that time, which then led me to a, a workshop, which I saw Don Campbell for the first time ever at a workshop, and I saw him speak. And from that one presentation that I saw of Don and the power of that one presentation, it truly changed my life. And I learned at that time of the power of real estate, but also how the powerful from one presentation and just sharing of ideas and inspiring a group of people, you potentially can change people's lives by just delivering one presentation. And then from there, you know, I'm going to keep this really short, but I, I went on a journey and that's been a journey now. We're, we're almost 20 years into this. And I just turned 50 this year. And I had uh, another one of those moments about uh, one of those zeros at the end of your birth- birthday. And I just decided that it's time to take the next step forward and elevate my game up to another level from here. Mm. And to really just get into more of a leadership role and to get into more of a thought leader 
and to get into more of somebody who influences an entire new generation of real estate investors that are coming through the pipeline, not just the JV Jedi and learning how to raise capital. I think I, I've, I think I have been blessed with so many amazing mentors in my life that is now time to start sharing those gifts with a larger audience and it's time to start awesome. elevating my game. Yeah, that's awesome, buddy. That's great. And and you know what? It it shines because you, you get a chance to talk to some of your be it students and other people and they've really done it amazing, amazing. And so good for you. That's just really, really great. So oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank so, you, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's go back a little ways here. And, and when I say a little ways, let's go back to kind of the uh, 2008 kind of turbulence. We know what's kind of going on right now. And, um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit um, with Chris a little bit earlier, um, earlier this week, just in regards to him kind of living through it as well. And, and I know we have as well, you and I. Um, tell me a little bit about that kind of environment back then and, and or back then. And, and how does that look compared to today? Like what what types of similarities are you noticing or are you noticing similarities yeah. between the two? Well, interesting to note that. Well, first of all, that's a big, that's a that's a deep one to go into, and I'll try to do my best um, sure. to keep it tight. But um, okay, so both you and I have been through similar times. There, nothing is like what we're going through right now, right? Um, and the main thing, it's really nothing that we're going through right now, is because the speed of that is happening. Honest to goodness, um, I'm seeing things that are happening and total economies that are just being shut down for things. And and the speed of things that are happening is truly unprecedented. However, these are not unprecedented times that you do need to change, evolve and adapt. That's that's a constant throughout life. Right. This is a truly precedent, unprecedented time of what we're really going through right now. But I'm seeing some similar themes. And it's interesting within my community, I was sharing with them and I started getting ahead of this. I, I know it is the exact day. It was March 11th, two days before March 13th, before they called it up. I think on the 12th, they called it a pandemic, I believe. Yeah. Um, I started getting ahead of it um, early because I saw what was happening. And I even started sharing with my communities, okay, guys, what's going to happen is they're going to start dropping interest rates, emergency cuts. The CMHC is going to start buying back the mortgages. mortgages. You're going to have to, there's going to be a, a liquidity challenge happening in here because people are going to start hoarding cash and people are not going to want to start spending and things are going to slow down and stop. That guys, here's the here's the strategy to get into. Let's really get ahead of this and let's yep. get pull out all the defensive strategies first and let's protect the house like for if any of you have ever you know played lacrosse there's a term in lacrosse that when you get on when you lose the ball and the other team's coming back you know i remember my son's coach would say protect the house protect the house and what you do is you make a semicircle around your goal and you sit there with your sticks and you're you're protecting the house right so i started getting my community and my coaching clients um to start circling the wagons and getting that house protected way back before it even started hitting we were making phone calls to banks and yep. all that kind of stuff way before even people were starting to do it okay yep. so i was seeing a lot of those things but here's what happened really i had a chance to sit back and reflect because i went through 2007 2008 and to be honest mike i'm still paying for the lessons that i i did not take advantage that I did not do at that time. And I actually wrote down if I, what would be, because all these things, there's these, all these things happen for us. Right. And there's lessons in everything. Right. And I actually wrote down, how many is it? One, two, I think I wrote down like eight lessons and I'm going to quickly just share with you some of them that I did. And, and, 
this, and I'm going to tell you the solution to all these pro the lessons I've learned is to do the opposite. Okay, that's was I told myself, Russell, what are you going to do this next crisis, the next challenge? And I, my answer was to do the opposite. Okay, so for example, um, when 2007, 2008 happened, literally the world ran out of money for a short period of time where um, some banks, Lehman Brothers went under, a whole bunch of banks started going under, and that was scary times, right? Um, so one of the first things that happened was it was unknown, right? And unknown and fear. And then I actually let the fear paralyze me and stop me, right? So I just let it, I let it stop me at that time because momentum is a key thing. Whether you're going forward or going backwards, you still have momentum both directions, okay? And one of the worst things I did at that time was I actually, instead of dealing with the unknown and leaning into it, I distracted myself. I distracted myself by going and playing golf and taking time off and just going, you know, blinders on, not blinders looking on. at things and just not looking at it, right? And then I played small at that time. I truly, honestly, I did net step up. I actually shrunk down and played really small during that time. And you know what? I got into a downward spiral, a downward spiral on two fronts. On the first front, I got a downward spiral of my health. Um, I put I put on a probably over 50 pounds during that time. I was about 40 to 50 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, and I started eating crap and junk and let my health go downhill. And the other thing I let go downhill a little bit of a downward spiral was I let some of my properties get into deferred maintenance. You know, cash flow was maybe a little tighter. I stopped putting maintenance into it. Tenants left. I maybe didn't renovate it up to a good level. I had to yeah. put a lower quality tenant into it. Yeah. And then it just slowly downward spiraled. And it just, it, it started, your property started getting deferred maintenance and it just starts taking the values of the property, just keep going down and down and down. Right. Yeah. So I did just make sure of doing that. A couple of the biggest things I didn't do is I didn't ask for help. You know, I thought I was Superman at that time. I'm the one I'm standing on stage. I'm teaching this at the Real Estate Investment Network. I, I know all these things. I'm supposed to be leading people. I, I did not ask anybody for help, right? I actually did not lean into more wisdom and other mentors, and I did not deal with the challenges very well. And to be honest, I did not adapt enough. I did not adapt, evolve, and most importantly, I did not help enough people during that time. So those were the biggest mistakes that I made during the last downturn. And as I said, the solution now of going through this one is I take a list of, of all those mistakes I made and I'm going to do the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to play bigger. I'm going to help more people. I'm going to deal with problems head on. I'm going to adapt and change. I'm going to, you know, make sure that I don't stop in my tracks for fear of frozen. I'm, I'm actually every day thinking about opportunities and what are some business opportunities? What are some things to look into? And I've registered in the last two weeks, I've registered another four website domain names of just some business ideas I've had on things. Good. So, so I decided I made a commitment that I'm going to do the opposite to what I did the last time. Okay. Awesome. So when, when you ask for, and, 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 and I think this is really, really good um, because the one that I've just kind of written down, there's two things actually I wrote down is, um, asking for help, I guess, or asking yep. for, for advice or help who, I guess, what to give people an idea of what, where you, where you would, or where you should have got help from. Was it your joint venture partners or as other mentors? Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. And then the second part of Russell is when, when you say I played small versus mm -hmm. playing big, maybe just clarify a little bit about that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's take the, so 
the not asking for help. And and, and I, maybe, you know, sometimes time and self-reflection are the best teachers is um, I did not know the answers. And I felt it was my ego. It was 100% my ego talking is I should know the answers. And, and remember, I was trying to be, you know, pump myself up that I was teaching people all this stuff, sure. right? I did not ask people for help. I did not show that I, I didn't want to show weakness or vulnerability yeah. at that time. And I did not lean into people and just tell people exactly what was going on. And there were some bad, there were some challenging times, you know, one of the biggest ones, and I'll share this as an example. I had, um, uh, during that time, I had a special assessment of $34,000 uh, on one complex that I own. And in my infinite wisdom, I'm and $34,000 and I had nine of them. So put that in, I'm going to give you a moment to punch that into your calculator there for a second, right? And uh, I could tell you, we could take the entire time to just go through how that all played out and how that dealt out. But but I didn't, I didn't talk to people about that. I didn't share that story with people of what I was going for. I didn't ask for help for people that was going through that. I didn't seek the wisdom of people to do that. I just kept it all myself, bottled it up inside myself, went into a downward spiral, started eating, started distracting myself. I just made all those mistakes, right? So that's yeah. that's an example of not asking for help when I needed to get help. So, for example, now, what am I doing now? I've gone through it. I'm, I'm reaching out to my mentors that I've talked to. I've, in the last week, two weeks, I've had conversations with people that I haven't had conversations with in 10, 15 years. People that have 40 years experience, 30 years experience that have been through this. And I'm just getting help myself so I sure. can better serve my clients and my uh, coaching clients and my community and be a better leader for people as well. So that's an example of just not asking for help. The other is um, playing small is I, I did not take enough action during that time. I actually stopped acquisitions for a long time and my confidence got shaken during that time. I just didn't kept going. And then I put, you know, a couple losses and a couple, you know, that, like I said, that special assessment really set me back and I didn't bounce back from that and I didn't keep moving forward. Right. And I just withdrew and just played small as opposed to really leaning into it and adapting to the changing times and maybe created another business. You know, quite frankly, if I would have picked up another during that time after things went down and especially in Alberta, if I would have picked up another half a dozen properties, things would be completely different. Different right? story. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I look at 2008, 2009, it was it was challenging. And, you know, I, I look at some of the lessons learned for myself and um, it was you know, the big thing for me was vacancies. That was a nightmare for us. It was just like trying. And then the big part is, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, willing to just kind of let tenants go You and, and just accepting it because I was being ignorant in regards to yep. wanting to maintain that rent level, not realizing that the way the market was crashing, that these properties could be sitting vacant for two or three months yep. and longer, for God's sakes. And to your point, is and I, and there's some really good lessons. I hope you guys are all getting this and give us a thumbs up if you guys are, are really paying attention to this because <laughs> Russell's given gold here. Is the the deferred maintenance side? I can't enforce this enough. During a time of crisis at this moment, um, when and it, it will be interesting to see how this all folds out, and that'll be a question for you later, Russell. But you know, for those of us that have only been riding that curve up, 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 and for a lot of people in Vancouver. 
prices are supposed to appreciate 20% per year. That's just normal, right? And so the rest of the market is supposed to do the same thing too. It's when you start riding other different particular markets that have had the complete opposite of that, or maybe on, in a flat trajectory where you're dealing with more of a balanced market and there is tons of inventory in the market and there is lots and there's not as many tenants that you're needing to compete for those good quality tenants. You need now, it's a, it's a, it's a double whammy where you're competing yep. for good quality tenants and you may not be getting the rent that you once had before. And then secondly, you've got to put money into this to, to try to get your te- quality tenant profile or else you get, you know, if you're just going to keep deteriorating your property, yep. deteriorating your property, your tenants are going to start to change. And then the quality of tenants that you're going to be attracting are not the ones that you initially budgeted yep. for right from the very beginning. Well, I had a, a conference, I had a webinar that I hosted last night and one of the people on there shared that one of their strategies was only do emergency maintenance only. And I said, okay, that, that is a good strategy maybe in the really short term guys, but, but understand that is a slippery slope that if you only do the less than the, the bare minimum maintenance to things, you will start sliding downhill very quickly. And then, and then as soon as somebody leaves, then you just say, well, I'm not going to fix that up. And then you have to get a, another tenant in there. And then the next thing you know, is you, you get a, another tenant and you can only get one with that has 17 dogs in there. And then it slowly just spirals down. So, yeah. and, and, you know, I had to go through an analysis of sitting there you know, there was a time when we were doing this, Mike, and I'm not I'm not putting a dark shadow on things here, guys. As a matter of fact, this is this is some of the most inspirational things you will hear is how people deal with these things. Yeah. Um, there was times where we'd have to sit there and we'd have to invest, you know, say seven thousand, eight thousand dollars into a property to get three hundred dollars less than what we were getting before. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. So it was either that or or you know cut bait and move on or um just let it keep going downhill right yeah and, and when it goes downhill to your point it's it's going to cost you more in the long run oh it absolutely will <laughs> it's it's simple it's easier to do say the paint and the flooring and some touch-ups now and the caulking and good maintenance practices now than to have to replace an entire you know, I'm going to use, I could use the swear word, but their entire bathroom, right? Those yeah. are the big ticket items when you got to replace entire tubs and then you start getting water damage and stuff. And all you could have just done is just did some really good maintenance and some good caulking around the tubs and, and just followed those schedules. Right. So, so I often make the joke. Sometimes um, we're put on this earth to serve as a warning to others. So guys, I'm telling you here, don't do as I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Please heed these warnings and do it a little differently. Okay. Exactly. That's the best way I can share that. And, and I'm, I'm sure you see this daily, just like I do, Russell, and you see people's pro formas and, um, and not knocking other investors performers or anything like that. Again, for anybody that's doing your own analysis, your property analyzers, um, you're looking at working with potential partners or whatever the case may be. I hope you guys are paying close attention to what's being said by Russell because he's bang on the money is this deferred maintenance side. If you can't budget or reserve a good maintenance allowance or have some healthy reserve funds for the duration of your investment, you're just going to be asking for a lot of pain. And if you're trying to just budget like a 1% maintenance maintenance allowance for your, for your investments, you know, it's this, you got to anticipate there's going to be costs. There's going to be things that are going to happen. Tenants are going to turn over. You're going to have to paint. You're going to have to do some maintenance. So just take that into account when you guys are doing your analyzes and looking at things, budget appropriately and be honest with yourself when you're looking at these types of deals. It's so important. So, 
Well, and and but I'm going to tell you that the, here's the silver lining out of all of this, Michael. Like, I'm not here. I, why am I calling you Michael? <laughs> Do you prefer Mike or Michael? You can call me whatever you want. Well, uh, actually, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> all right. So, so one of the the silver lining for all this is actually it led me, and I changed my investing strategy in the, within the last few years, which then led me to get into new construction properties, new construction housing, um, because. I saw the deferred maintenance and how big of those issues can keep adding up. And a lot of people just don't ever take that into consideration. So I actually, between myself and my business partner, we actually will go and buy brand new houses that have been purpose built for rental properties that have the right, you know, and here's just an example. I'll give you an example. When we go and we put the properties together on our decks, we'll use composite decking and aluminum railing. Now, why do we do that? Is because it's maintenance free. You don't have to paint it. You don't have to get the splinters. It costs a little bit more on the build side, marginally more, but you save in the long run of the maintenance. And I actually am taking, this may sound really weird, but stick with me. I'm taking a long, short position on my inventory, meaning I buy a new construction property and I'll hold on to it for five, seven, maybe 10 years at the most. And let's say I build a portfolio of 15 of them. I'll then take that portfolio and I'll transition it in say 10 years into another new portfolio of 15 properties. Right. Right. And I potentially can then pass all that deferred maintenance stuff onto the next owner. And all I have is brand new inventory stock that has a better tenant profile, that has lower maintenance costs, that has less of my time investment into it. And it is just a better overall experience. Like, Mike, if I was, you know, we're at the end of the year and if I had it here, I could sit here and if I had a pro forma, my actual numbers for my older townhomes and I had over here my new construction properties. It would be you would be shocked at the differences in the in all the bills and the expenses and the cash flow numbers at the end. Like it's mm. it's it is so black and white difference. It is like truly, it's like a breath of fresh air. And yeah. that all came from buying some wrong properties and going down a wrong path. Right. Makes sense. Makes yeah. perfect sense. Perfect sense. So let me ask you, um, and we're we're kind of working on the opportunity side, which is awesome. But I'm going to take a step back a little bit because I think um, for a lot of people that are on these calls too, they're they're looking at you know how people are kind of protecting some, themselves right at this very moment. And you're hearing lots of things. We've talked a little bit about it from other people. Um, so I want to ask two questions. Is one of them is what are you doing at this time right now to protect yourself um, and your joint venture clients? I guess what are you? What are some of those key things that you're doing right now? Well, it's it's interesting. Um, uh, part of the framework I shared last night with my my uh, clients on a, on a webinar is is really I call it the advanced framework. So, guys, if you're taking notes and you're sitting at home or something, you might want to write this down. It's the A D V A N C E advance framework, and essentially, it's, this is working out exactly the way this framework is working out. So, the A in advance start stands for assess, right? So. Uh, you know, sorry for the bad analogy, but you know, truly a bomb went off. It really did. When a pandemic hit, everything's shut down and closed off. A bomb went off. So you have to assess what's going on. You almost have to do a little bit of triage. What's going on? Is everybody okay? What's happening? Who needs treatment first? What needs to happen? And then you, what you do is you protect the house by putting it, the D in advance stands for defense. You put a defensive strategy together. And within that defensive strategy, the first thing we did was I contacted every single one of my tenants to make sure they were okay. Every single one of my tenants then had a, a next call 
out, follow up communication to find out that they were okay with their jobs. The next level of conversation after that was to make sure that the tenants, um, if they needed any support, here were all the government in, uh, letters and here are all the government websites that you can get to support. And we had to just shore up the income coming in first. Okay, and I'm happy to say all my rents have been collected. I will know a couple of them are PAP deposits, which I will know probably within the next day or two. But mm -hmm. as far as I know, knock wood, everything yep. has been collected. And then from there, it started going. So I wanted to shore up the income first, the tenants. I wanted to just make sure that they were okay and the income. Then after that, I started going into all the um, expenses, all the mortgages, all the property taxes, all the uh, um, utilities, all those things. I started um, going and finding what my options were. Because here's here's what I want. I don't know how long this is going to last. I hope it will be short. I really do. Um, but I'm also prepared for if it's going to be a long one as well. Yeah. Uh, and I want to be in a position to help my tenants. I truly do. I don't want to be one of those landlords of just, to, you know, to my way or the highway or hit the bricks. Yeah. I want to be in a position to help them. If I don't have any options, I have no option. If I don't have any options as an owner, I have no options to help my tenants. Exactly. So I'm finding out all my options first of what I can do, what I can defer, everything like that. You know, my first position with my tenants is business as usual, rent is to be paid. And if they can't make it, then what we'll do is I need to have um, some provisions on my side to be able to help them. And it, how you show up during a crisis and how you operate your business will speak volumes to who you as a person and the vo and what you do in this business going forward. So yeah, I took I care of hundred percent. I took care of all those things. Okay, now I'm starting the shift into pivoting into what's my plan to move forward and to find what are the opportunities. Yeah. Right. That, so that's excellent. Anyway, that's excellent. so. So that's just kind of just in a nutshell of just things. Now, I put together an entire spreadsheet and, and I put together things like that. If you ever want, I can maybe share it with you and you can put it on your forum, Mike. And sure. I got a couple of resources if you guys want. Um, it's It really has helped some people just sleep at night. Really, mm -hmm. it truly has. And mostly me. Right. Just, right. So, and, uh, and, and from there, then now I've, I've physically a week ago, I made a shift into start getting on the offense. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the opportunities are yet, but I'm open to the adapt adaptation and to change and to start pivoting into an opportunity because I've taken care of the defense first. I agree with you. We did exactly the same. It's, it was almost a mirror image, to be really honest. With yep. you. It's a mirror image. And now that now that things are, you know, April 1st and we I think we were talking about this uh, a couple of days ago it, or yesterday, I should say. It's it's done, right? April Fourth is here, and and yep. hopefully all the systems that you've put into place and the protocols in being regards to proactive in regards to working with your tenants and talking to your tenants and and trying to find methods to try to support them um, has been taken care of. You've done the deferrals, or at least you've provided options in case situations are going to happen with your existing tenant. Yep. And you know my comment I've made before is. You know, for April, I'm not overly too concerned. I think for the most part, I think we're okay. It's the subsequent months that we just don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Yep. And it's constantly, you know, communication, communication, communication from a defensive perspective. Yep. And then if you've got everything aligned perfectly, or if you've got everything aligned for kind of a worst case scenario, then really should be able to weather the storm for the most yep. part. And then again, communicate. This is changing 
hour by hour, minute by minute, yep. and, and new programs needing to be communicated with your tenants. You're there to support them. And I, as Russell's referenced before, is how you're weathering the storm and, and what you're doing to help support your tenants in a positive way in regards to trying to reassure that they're getting the support that they're needing. And don't just assume that they know um, because they may not be paying attention to the news or any of this stuff, but by you putting it out there in a nice, clean, simple format and being able to talk to them intelligently about it and and then making them feel good and feel comfortable as well that their landlord is is got their yeah. back as well. Well, I'll just give you I'll give you two real life examples on how sure. just being resi- resilient of this uh, and just opened ideas and just learning from people that know more than you. Um, so number one, uh, here's the, here's a quick story. So I've uh, with one of my money partners, we own two suited houses, so essentially four units. Our mortgage payments are roughly fifteen hundred bucks per property. We chose to defer bo- all of them for six months, so it's three grand a month for six months. So that's eighteen grand, okay, give or take. Um, so far, the tenants are paying, and so far, there's no indication that they won't pay because they're they're okay. They were all working, but at the end of that six months, there potentially could be an extra eighteen thousand dollars of cash flow sitting in the bank, okay. Um, I'm now in a position that if the tenant does fall on hard times, we can offer them something. We can offer them some terms. But at the same time, what's to say we can't take that $18,000 and let's say everything goes well in six months, we take that $18,000 and pay down $18,000 on our mortgage. That's... That's exactly what we're right. talking about yesterday. Yeah. Or or take that eighteen thousand dollars and move it over to the highest interest rate loan that you have. You now have cash to deploy where you need to deploy it. Exactly. To, yeah. Right. Exactly. I would much rather have. The, sorry to say, because because this is a double edged sword. That if everybody's hoarding cash is actually bad for the economy. At the same time, if everybody is fearful and hoarding cash, the economy still doesn't move. But at the same time, I want to have the cash in my account so I can divvy it out like little soldiers on where they need to go yep. to. I agree. 100%. 100%. Good. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying this information. This is really, really great. So, Russell, thank you. Well, for that. that's so, like we said, Mike, that's with those lines under yeah, my eyes gray hairs, and all those gray, gray hairs. hairs yeah. I've learned that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we kind of touched a little bit about this already. Um, so from your perspective, um, what, what's your, what's your feel? And again, this is an opinion, but what's your opinion, I guess, on, on, um, the future ahead? What do you, what do you think is going to happen six months, a year from the now? You know, do you see opportunities? What's your, what's your, what's your feel? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good thing that you differentiated between times. Um, so, so here's what I've now come to the conclusion is, and I will answer your question. But I have now landed on that, you know, no matter what is going to happen, I'm going to win. And no matter what is going to happen, I'm going to adapt and pivot. And I know this just sounds like it's words being used, but I've actually had a, I had a physical shift within myself of that, of that no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to pivot, I'm going to adapt, and I'm going to make it work, Okay. Um, so that's just a mindset that I have, and that's the lenses that I'm looking at everything through. So I'm now full on into the ideas, the opportunities. I'm full into that as opposed to the fear and being stuck. Okay. Now, before I had that shift, here's my, here's my, my 30,000 foot view is number one on a short term basis. It's going to be extremely painful. It really is. You cannot have what just happened 
Um, and as amount of people that are out of work, you cannot have that bomb go off and not expect that there's going to be some kind of fallout in the short term. Okay. Um, you're going to have people when you have your unemployment rate go from five to 20%, you cannot, if you'd be, you'd be silly to not understand that that's going to have a ripple. Okay. Um, our, our, Governments and the powers that be are choosing, I'm not making any comment whether choosing to do is right or wrong, because I am so grateful and I'm so honored for the job that they're all doing. I wouldn't want anybody, I, I wouldn't want to do what they're what they're having to oh, do. But they're playing they're playing a very they're they're having to balance the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. And they've chosen not to have people suffer right? Not to have people die and things like that. And that's what they've chosen to do. And one of the things that they will protect is people's housing. They will protect people's, um, you know, incomes coming in. They've made that very abundantly clear that they will not, don't want people to suffer. Okay. And here's another thing that's coming to the, the conclusion. Why do you think people are, are buying, um, toilet paper and craft dinner. Why is craft dinner sold out and why is toilet paper sold out right now, Mike? Why would you guess? Just panic. I think it's panic. It's a little bit panic, but I think it's it's more to me it's a feeling that everybody is wanting to get back to comfort. They want to make sure, you know, comfort foods. They want to they're coming back to home. People are scared and when people are scared, they want to get back to feeling comfortable again. So they want to make sure they're feeling comfortable as they got lots of toilet paper and they actually are starting to eat craft dinner and hot dogs again. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um the most a flight to safety Real estate will do well when there's a flight to safety, right? People will need to still live in rental housing. And as a matter of fact, this may, I'm trying not to make this sound harsh, but there might be some people that might be in situations that they might have to sell their homes because that might be the only money they, like equity they have, yep. they might have to sell their homes and they may have to turn into renters. Yep. I have a feeling that this is going to turn some people into renters at the same time. And those are some of the best tenants you will find of people that understand home ownership, people that were homeowners. They just need some time to get some cash back together so they can build it back up to go buy their house again. So those are a lot of things I'm seeing on the short term. Okay. Long term, when you start dumping trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy and things like that, that money ain't going to go away. It's going to start coming back and cycling again. And people will come out of this. And when people start coming out of it and go, oh, we didn't die. You know, I'm sorry. Bad. Sorry. Bad analogy. Uh, <laughs> it's OK. We this did pass. And people are going to start coming back with vengeance again. And they're going to start buying houses again. And they're going to start coming out of the winter storm. And I don't know when it's going to happen. But it's yeah. going to happen, and I think it's going to be a, a, a it's going to be a, a, another uptick again. I agree, hundred so. percent, bang on. I think that's yeah. excellent. That's a great opinion, great, great insight, and um, and I, and hopefully people are are taking that information and using that for their own <laughs> own thought process as well. And that's important, uh, yeah. just to kind of start to think about because there's a lot of negativity that's out there. There's tons of it, and sometimes yeah. we just need to look a little bit beyond that and really think three, four, five steps ahead, and really kind of really get get ahead of this whole thing because if you just get stuck with the day-to-day minutiae of all the stuff that's coming at you it's it can be it can be overwhelming and really sad and so keep trying to stay positive and try to stay focused look for those things that are kind of come ahead and again six months a year two years from now 
there will be opportunities in the yeah. future for sure. Well, here, here I'm going to share some with you. And this is a conversation I have with one of my coaching clients today. And I was just walking him through what I've been walking a lot of you through. And we, he's got his defensive strategy all in place. And I say, okay, I said, let's call him Jim. And I say, Jim, now that you've got that done, what's next? He goes, oh, I'm just going to hunker down and I'm just going to mm -hmm. wait it out and stuff like that. And I go, okay, I, I agree. However, here's the coaching I'm going to give you. And this comes from experience. Don't let the momentum stop. Keep, yeah. even if you're not going to be buying another apartment building, if you're not going to do, keep moving forward on. Now you're now moving forward on the offense because momentum works both directions. And I shared that with you right? If you stop and you start retreating, you're going to forever keep retreating. And I, I said, do you have your defensive strategy in place? We walked through his cash flow, his budget. We walked through all those numbers. He's rock solid right now. Awesome. He's got at least six months of everything taken care of at minimum, and he has access to more. Okay. I go, now what you need to do is you need to start building, getting your, your list of apartment buildings that you're looking to acquire, you need to start circling back to each and every one of them, exactly. no different than you did with your tenants, to go find out how all those owners are doing. Yep. And a lot of those owners are absentee owners and they got crappy management. And the only reason they were doing well before was when times were good and they yep. had, you know, they could, they were complacent in it. They're going to be struggling a little bit and they might want to get rid of those assets. So get on the offense. I'm not telling you to buy it, but you start contacting every one of those dead leads you had that stopped when times were, when times were good, you start contacting them again and yep. you, and you tell me, and we'll just keep working that list. I, right? I think that's brilliant and perfect. And it's actually a perfect lead into my question actually is, and, and you've already touched on some of that already is being getting in front of these buyers, getting in front of these opportunities, especially in the multifamily world, for sure, because a lot of these owners they they own multiple properties, and if and some of them you may just getting get stuck. These guys might be tired landlords; they just want to get out, and they're just like, you know what, I'm just done. And trust me, and there's a few properties that I can think of right now that have been struggling already. That's been on the market that I know that this is killing them at this point in time. So getting out there and communicating, and so so Russell, to add. To that, you know, my comment is, what are some of the things that you're doing right now, just maybe for the upcoming opportunities? Yep. And how would you, what, what would you recommend to people in regards to what should they be doing to start to prepare for this? And again, I'm looking at it from maybe from a few different points is you're just a starting investor. You're just getting started. Second, maybe those that are just getting started with joint venture capital or joint venture money. So I'm, I'm going to leave it at those two points just to keep it simple. So, but we can go expand on that if we need to, but start with your potential, maybe just starter, starter investor. And secondly, maybe yep. somebody that's had a few properties and maybe doing joint venturing. So, well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you three, three, three stories under three different contexts. Okay. Um, Context number one about moving forward and opportunities. So, for example, uh, so, okay, let me frame it first. Here's, here's how I would frame it, number one, is um, guys, start making the shift into being creative. Like, don't, don't you know, I one of my early coaches and mentors said there, there's a difference between consuming and creating. Think about that for a second. Consuming is you're going through Facebook and you're getting all riled up and you're in reaction mode. And oh my goodness, Trudeau, is that a is that a tracking device on him? And oh man, Trump this and your stuff. And you're just getting consuming, right? You're being consumed by it. Or you can get into a mode of creating. 
And creating is you sit down, you go, okay, what, what is this market good for? What are the strategies? What are the opportunities? And you just get into creative. I, every day on a, on a, a flip chart over here, will write out 10 ideas of what I can do to take advantage and to capitalize and to move forward in this marketplace. Every single day, it's a muscle. You have to exercise the creative muscle and always be creating. ABC. This isn't ABC as in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. This is ABC as in always be creating. Okay. Um, now here's a real life example. I had a conversation with my business partner um, who we buy and we go find new, we have uh, um, builders and we go find new construction houses in Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. He's been going out and he's been finding to get a good inventory of properties for, for he's contacted all the buy, all the builders and you know, they're a little scared and a little nervous too. So he's sitting there goes, guys, if you're interested, what kind of deals can you offer? And so, for example, for a thousand dollar deposit, two months of diligence, and we've pushed all our closings and buildings into 2021 or maybe even later. So we potentially can lock in prices today, get two months to do our diligence. If things go downhill very, very fast in the next two months, we don't remove conditions. We get in for mm. $1,000 down. And then if we do remove conditions, you have to put a 5% down and you don't take possession until 2021. Awesome. Right? So as one example, I'll just give you one example. Another example, I was working with one of my clients today and he was sitting there and he was just kind of going through all the standard operating procedures for his property management business. He has 40 units that he self-manages and he um, was showing some places, but he did not have good pictures and things like that. So he went out, invested, he had actually invested a while ago on um, a 360 camera. Okay, so he's now going to all his units when he gets a chance and he's going to do a 360 tour of all his properties. And just for one thing alone is if you're the one person that has 360 tours of all your places and you have anything advertised like that and you have a 360 tour, you think after COVID-19 passes, people are probably going to still be a little bit less trustful of being close to people. And I use the analogy, um, you know, there's going to be some industries that will just completely just go away like, you know, Guys, how many of you feel comfortable getting on a cruise ship in the next yeah. three to five years? Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So so anyways, back to his story is he was sitting there and he's going, I'm going to do that all with all my properties. And I said, his name is Kevin. I said, Kevin, um, he's also a realtor. And I go, let me just ask a question. How many of the realtors in town um, have these kind of, uh, have 360 tours of the listings? He says, nobody. I said, well, wouldn't that be an opportunity that you could offer to all the all the listing agents out there? And then he said, and we went and we worked through the whole thing. And, and he goes, you could post it on your website. People have to come for your traffic. You have your services as a buyer's agent on there. And you potentially could have all these things. And you could offer it to free for all the realtors in town for all their listings. And you maybe could be the buyer representation as an example. And I said, you want to take it another step for, forward, go take that same idea to all the landlords in town, offer to them for free or offer to them is I'll give it to you for free. If you join my meetup group as mm -hmm. part of this, now my meetup group is now $79 a month. Hmm. Right? So there's just all these kind of ideas and opportunities that you can just do that. They just, they'll just come out of things. And another yeah. opportunity. I just, That's Mike, cool. I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. That's I want to cool. share one more. Okay. Everybody right now watching this, where are you? I want you to type into the comments for me. Where are you? Where are you sitting? I want you to tell me. Like no, I, want city? I want to see it. Everybody's probably sitting at home. 
I would imagine. <laughs> and how many, and some of you have probably been forced to work at home. How many of you right now would be sitting there going, geez, I wish I had a home office. I wish I had a separate room in the house. I wish I had a suite above the garage. I wish I had a little place that I could go and get away from the family to just go do some work, okay? You don't think that single family homes that have a garage suite or a detached property or something like that, you don't think places that have offices that you can build an office, you don't think that's gonna be in demand and in value? So that's what we're doing is we're going back to our builders and saying, guys, find us all the corner lots. Get Find us all the opportunities that we can have for garage suites. Find us all the places that we can add secondary suites or even a, a basement suite. Now, just imagine you're a hairdresser and you sat there and you now are, can't pay the rent and you've been closed down for your business potentially. You know, maybe you're moving your chair and your business into your home, into the suite that's a separate suite. Right. I know you still wouldn't be able to see clients now, but just imagine you come back up and running after all this. Your overheads just get slashed dramatically and you now operate your business out of your home. Secondary suites, secondary units, additional dwellings, home offices, all those kind of things are going to be nothing but in demand after this is all said and done. I agree. I agree with you. 100%. Sorry if I'm getting fired up, but I'm no, I'm it's good. Mission, I like right? it. This is this is awesome. You can see about all the comments. Everybody's uh, having a great time with it too. So there was a question that came up, and I guess it's part of your strategy, Russell. Um, and this is kind of maybe the uh, five minute warning, just in regards to time. And I know Russell and I, you know, whenever we do lunch and stuff like that, it's just a bunch of schoolgirls kind of just going up and chattering for hours at lunchtime, and we just don't stop. And the wives have to call us home and say we got to come home. Um, but the reality Michael, is, we don't want to do, we, come home. <laughs> we don't want to do this on this call. But at the same time, there's so much information, and we'll have to get Russell to come back out again. So I hope you guys are all enjoying this. Um, so if you've got questions, kind of your five minute mark, seven minute mark, just start asking. I'll put them on the comments, and uh, because like I said, there's a lot of great information. So the question is coming, I think, from Dia. Um, so we're just going to pop it up here, Russell. So in your strategy that you're acquiring the property, what, what's the situation? So if the market goes down and you lock that price at a much higher rate, what, what's kind of your strategy in that situation there? If I lock my price in, so like a strategy I shared, I lock my price in, the market goes down. I'm into it for I'm into it for the long game. Not only the long game, I'm you know I'm going to use a Simon Sinek quote here. I'm in for it for the infinite game. Yep. Right. That's truly what I'm looking at for. I'm into this to pass it down to generations. So to me, short windows, they come and go. They really truly do. I don't. I'm not too concerned about the short windows of times. I'm into it for for uh, for the long term, and then I want to pass it down, and then I want to keep it going. For I'm into it for the infinite. Yep. Good. That's actually a great answer, and that's you know I'm the same way too as well. To be honest with you, that's really great. Perfect. So last second, anybody's got any questions that they are burning that need to get answered, please ask them. We, as you can see, there's a lot of great information. Um, be the joint venture Jedi that you are, Russell Westcott. Um, you know, maybe one question that I have for you and maybe for some people that are, it's kind of maybe burning. You know, in this situation now, how are your joint venture clients kind of reacting to the situation and to this crisis? And, and you know, what I imagine you're getting phone calls. I get phone calls all the time, but my clients is asking questions all the time. I'm happy to hear your insight first, and then I'm happy to throw some things in as well. So, well, Mike, I'm I'm going to tell you, I've actually modeled 
Or you see, look at my modeling, my modeling. <laughs> I, tonight in this entire conversation, I've modeled. If if you guys want to know a behind the scenes of what I've been doing as a presenter and somebody who speaks and somebody who communicates and somebody who leads, I've actually, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly some of the things I've done. And they're 100% intentional things that I've done. Okay. I started off with, what did I start off with, Michael? We started off with some humor. Did we not? We, we talked, we, we, we oh. laughed, we released, we, we got some, just some, some energy flow. Started off with gratitude. I started off by asking how your family was. I started off with sharing a heartfelt story of some mistakes and showing some vulnerability. I start, and then I slowly after that, I transitioned into some opportunities. That's no different than the conversations I'm having with money partners. Good. The first conversation I have with them is number one is I actually, we have a calm. I lower my voice. I breathe, I speak from my diaphragm and my heart as opposed to up here in, or in my throat. I'm now speaking from my diaphragm. I'm speaking a little quieter. I'm open. I'm not closed off. I'm not fearful. It's just my nonverbal language is showing calm, confidence that I'm the captain of the ship and I've got this. Okay. So this entire time on this call tonight, I've showed exactly what I do with all my um, key stakeholders within my business. Remember, we're the leaders of our business. We're the owners Absolutely. of this. We're the captain of the ship. Captain so the ship. be a captain at this time, Agreed. right? Yeah, perfect. And that, and your, your partners are looking for you for that, exactly that calming effect. Yep. And you know everything that you've talked about in regards to systems and strategies to react to this, yeah, for your partners, that's what they're looking for. It's that and then cost. and then you take the time when the time is right. You start transitioning into excitement and what does this mean and what can we learn and what's the like. A lot of people are just still in shock, right, of everything yeah. that's going on. People haven't had that flip of the switch. People haven't had that time that they just have shifted. I've had that moment, right? And I hope tonight this is giving you guys my intention for tonight to come on here was to two things was number one is to help you sleep at night. And number two is to have you actually fired up to get going. Those were my two intentions tonight. And, and I think done, completed. Yeah. So um, I got one question here um, that came up. I think this is Dia again. Uh, so he it looks like they just started building a flip. Um, would it be better to rent it out instead? Uh, looking to maybe finish it in about four months. So I guess it's kind of really referencing on an opinion of where this is going to lead in the next kind of six month window. And uh, even myself, I've had this question come up uh, upon me in, in messenger and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you've got an opinion on that, Russell, or your just even your feedback or thoughts on, on what would be a recommendation or maybe not a recommendation is the wrong word, but yep. Maybe a well, suggestion. Here, I, I'm as being a good coach, I would be remiss if I didn't offer some coaching. Now, this first part of the coaching might be going, Russ, uh, thanks for telling me this now. But <laughs> here's the lesson you will learn from this is when you analyze and do a flip, um, if the market turns like it just did, can you rent it out and can you weather the storm going forward? Yep. As one of the things, and anytime I've ever done a flip, is I have to know that if I can't sell it for the number, I had a worst case scenario, I could rent it out and hold it going forward. So by him probably asking this question, it's probably sitting there in a position that it will not rent and will not be able to cover or make cash flow. 
Okay, so next time you do a flip, analyze it. If you can't sell it and the market turns and the music stopped and there's no chair to sit down, can you at least keep renting it? Okay, so other than that, I can't answer this without going into some of the numbers and taking a yep, look at it. Agreed. But I can assume that it's probably not going to cash flow and they're assuming that it's probably not going to sell for the price that they think. But here's the thing is properties are still selling. I was just talking oh, yeah. to my, my clients today. He put a house on the market the first day they had offers and things like that too. So houses are still selling, guys. Yep. Um, interest rates are rock bottom and they're going down. When people need to buy a house, they need to buy a house, right? And right yep. now is they're still buying houses, um, maybe not as fast as they were going. And here's the analogy I use is when you're going 160 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden you 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 hit a, 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 a zone where you now have to drop down to 70 miles an hour. It feels like you're going zero, right? Now, all of a sudden, there might be a little ice on the road, too, and you have to slow it down to 30 miles an hour. You're still moving forward, right? Just yep. not at the pace and velocity it was going forward. So yep. best advice I would say is analyze your numbers. If you can sell it, sell it. If you can hold on to it, hold on to it. I guess that's the best way I can say. That's a good one. That's good. Um, this is a quick question, and then we'll kind of start to go on to the conclusion side. And, and I've had a few people asking this one uh, tonight, Russell. It's just a repeat of the advanced framework. So the definition of A, D, V, A, N, C, E. Can you just repeat that again for everybody so everybody can just quickly document that? Oh, oh, oh look at that. So back it up a little bit so everybody can see it. Just, there you go. Assess, defense, reevaluate, adjust, and pivot new tools and skill, committed action, elevate, and then there's a bonus in there of devise and prepare for the next um, shock that hits. Now, if you want, I can post this in for you guys, but really it's assess, then defense, reevaluate, adjust and pivot, new tools and skills, committed action, elevate your game and devise and prepare for the next one. Perfect, that's great. And, and, and it was like, it was almost planned. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's all my so notes. I guess if you guys didn't get that, go back. You, got, you guys got to see all my notes. There's my intentions and things like that. Just little notes that I have for things like that. So, I think I saw your credit card number on there too. So yeah, guys, just maybe <laughs> zoom in on that one, okay? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start kind of wrapping it up, but I've got one real good question that I think. Um, again, oh, Mike, well, of, everyone's been a good question. So. And, and it's been great. So I think a lot of a lot of good comments and feedback and coming in. So thank you guys. Um, so the question that I've got that's going to maybe conclude, and, and I'm going to get you to put back your, your starting hat back on. If, if you went back when you first got started, Russell, um, and, you know, you, you look at yourself when you first began, began uh, what advice would you give yourself or to new investors that are just getting started in this game called real estate investing? What would be your couple big ones that you would suggest to people of, I'm just getting started, what yeah. would be some, some gold nuggets that you'd recommend? Yeah, you know, um, is there a final question at the end? Because I have two two points I want to make eventually. I want to. You got your time. Take it. Okay. okay. So, uh, the the best advice I'd give to somebody if they're starting right now and they're just getting started, um, couple things. Number one is seek wisdom. Seek the people that have been down this path before you. Yeah. Um, Humble yourself that you don't have all the answers, even though you may think you do. Just humble yourself that to just listen and learn and just um, take wisdom from people that have been down that road before you. 
Um, number two would be invest in yourself. Um, you are the best investment you will ever make. Everybody asks the question, what, how should I invest in this or that? Invest in yourself first. And then number three is trust yourself. Yeah. Um, you are worth the investment. And the hardest thing to do is to trust yourself when you don't know what you're doing. You're just new in the process. And even though you've seeked wisdom and you've invested in yourself, trust yourself and trust your gut, trust your intuition, and then always be uh, willing to elevate your game and show up powerfully. And it's more important how you show up than the assets you acquire and the cash flow you do and the people that you help will make and, and the legacy you leave and the people you help. So I know I talked Absolutely. about 17 different things there all at once, but so if just seek wisdom, invest in yourself, trust yourself. Beautiful. That's awesome. That's a great way to kind of conclude. So um, for those of you guys, I hope you guys have enjoyed this because it, he's really thrown out some, some grenades out there in regards to great wealth of knowledge. In a good way, grenades. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, of, I was trying to think of a, a, a gold grenade or something yeah. like that, just a gold nugget grenade, right? But it, it you know, honestly, when you can see that um, with Russell, he's got obviously a lot of experience and knowledge and and very authentic and that's the most important part and, and you know the one thing we talked about um as part of our savvy investor group it's you know it's it's great to share all the success stories and all that stuff the real learning is all the stuff that you don't necessarily want to share but it needs to go out because you're helping everybody else learn trust me two hands up of all the mistakes i've made and probably two hands up for the mistakes I'll make tomorrow as well. It's a continuous evolution and continuous learning that continues to go. It's, it's when you make the same mistakes, that's where the problem starts to arise. It's you want to keep learning, keep educating yourself, learn from other people. Russell's discussed that as well. Good mentors, surround yourself with people that have been through the trenches already before, and that will help you provide some guidance in, in regards to getting you in the right direction. Yeah. So, Mind if I so, share one final thing before we sign off, Mike? No, please go ahead. Well, so so guys, just understand that the times we're going through, this too shall pass. It, it yep. truly will. Um, you know, how many people were all upset about April 1st? And oh my goodness, the tenants might not pay rent. We got up this morning, the sun was shining, right? Yep. My dog still loved me. My wife still loved me even more, right? Even <laughs> though all these things, this too shall pass. And if you're having some challenging times, just make sure you just take one step at a time. Exactly. And it's interesting. And I, I grabbed this off my shelf. One of my favorite books of all time is Think and Grow Rich. One of the best books of all time. And I actually have a bookmark in here. It's back when I used to travel a lot. And I don't even know the year I was, I think it was probably in the early nineties, a bookmark. I opened this book to this page and it would be page 74 in Think and Grow Rich. And I could not believe that this book was speaking to me when I picked it up. It said, here's the quote. Every adversity, every failure, and every heartache carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. How fitting is that for what we're going through right now, guys? No matter what you're going through, if you are do the work, if you commit to the process, if you seek wisdom, you invest in yourself and you trust yourself, whatever you're going through will pass and it will be a greater opportunity waiting for you on the other side. And maybe you've been given this mountain to overcome just to prove to others that it can be done. Yep. Beautiful. Excellent way to conclude. Thank you, Russell. That's a beautiful way to finish it off. So, yep. so what did you think? What was some of your top 
key takeaways that you got out of that that lesson. Now, as I mentioned, I you know I, I'm dating it April 2020, right during uh, you know a potential uh, pandemic, and but there were some incredible deep lessons in there. Like, what did you write down? Did you write down something where you taken lots of notes? Like, what are you going to do when a challenging time strikes? How are you going to show up as a leader during challenging times and during unsettled times, during turbulence, is when you have the greatest opportunity to step up, help more people, and really show who you are. There will be an awful lot of people that will run and hide, but then there will be a select few. I would bet you are one of the select few. No different than a story I share all the time is... Um, what happens when you see a burning building? When, some, when people see a burning building, most people run away. A few people will actually pick up the phone and call 911, but there are a select few. There are a select few people that will actually run into it. How can I help? Those are the people that are equipped. Those are the people that are trained. Those are the people that have that high pain threshold. Those are the people that have a servant's heart. Those are the people that want to serve at the highest level. You know, servant leadership. Um, when you see challenging times, don't shy away from it. Even though it's going to be fearful and it's going to be uncomfortable, lean into it. Dive in. Always double down on the service. Double down on helping. Double down on providing the care for others and be a leader during challenging times. Okay, hope that helps, guys. And if you ever need anything, by all means, just reach out. If you need a little bit of a helping hand, reach out. I have these conversations, coaching calls and consultations and stuff like that all the time. And if you just need a little reset or maybe just uh, to connect with somebody, just by all means, please reach out. Okay, guys, talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.